is Offscript with Trish Close, intimate interviews with interesting people. In front of my microphone today is Dr. Peter Addisman. Hello, Doc. Hi. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. So you're not only a doctor, but a lot of people in this area know you, know you as Mr. the Mr. Wine Guy. I am, yes. And in fact, this is a new venture for me. We now have our own label out there called Peter William Wine. I know. We're going to talk about both. We're going to talk about you being a doctor. We're going to talk about your wine. We're going to talk about all of that. But first... Uh, where are you from originally? I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, before it was cool to be from Brooklyn, New York. Now <laughs> it's like the coolest place in the world and incredibly expensive. In fact, my son lived there for a summer and spent $3,000. Well, he was one of three people staying in a loft for $3,000 looking over a garbage dump. Okay. So it wasn't like that then, and it was uh, it was a great place to grow up. I was never jealous of my cousins that lived on Long Island and had a house with a yard. We we could drive we could ride our bicycle everywhere and see every friend. And awesome. It was great. So it was so being from Brooklyn then was cool, but just you're saying it's not as cool as being from Brooklyn now. Right. I mean, it was cool. I got to see a lot of great concerts. Mm -hmm. I got to go to the Fillmore's. I got to see Jimi Hendrix. I got a chance to see Janis Joplin. I got a chance. Wow. To do a lot of things that I couldn't have done outside of being in a city. Just because you lived in Brooklyn. Because I lived in Brooklyn, yeah. Awesome. So uh, what was family life like for you then? Did you grow up with siblings? I have two brothers, and I was the oldest, so I was kind of the trailblazer. Um, that explains I, a lot. And I would say I was a handful. How uh, so? Because I, I have a little ADD, HD. <laughs> And, you uh, don't say. And now my wife calls me OCD, so I think I've got every initial attached okay, to me. Okay, okay. But, you know, I was a very active kid. In fact, you know, most of my parents' friends thought I was the poster child for Planned Parenthood. They'd see me climbing trees, <laughs> running around like crazy. And they go, no, we don't want another kid. This is, uh, it could turn out like Peter. Okay. <laughs> so your two younger brothers, did you guys get along? Yeah, we actually got along. Uh, I wouldn't say we were that close growing up, but we're closer now, and mm -hmm. uh, they're both physicians on the East Coast. Wow. Yeah. A family. Well, what did your mom and dad do? Well, my dad was a physician. Okay. So we grew up with the idea that we can be any kind of physician we wanted to. Okay. I mean, it was like you had it. It was the family business, practically. My mom was a teacher and administrator. She actually worked as a director of admissions for a college in New York. Okay. So... All right. And so dad was a doctor. So did you guys grow up thinking we want to be doctors too or just? No, actually, um, I kind of fell into it more than anything. Mm -hmm. In fact, I went to pre-med. I wasn't happy with pre-med. I dropped out of pre-med and we had this uh, life-changing event. We went to the Greenbrier. This was like our the Greenbrier is a wonderful hotel in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. And we had a, a meeting there. My brothers were there. My parents were there. And they said, so what are you going to do with your life? And I said, well, I'm going to become a psychologist. And my dad said, well, if you're going to do that, become a psychiatrist. You can prescribe medicines and there's more, open, <laughs> yeah. you know, still going towards medicine, sure. medicine, medicine, medicine. So I said, okay, I'm going to be a psychiatrist. And then I did my psych rotation and I found out, wait, these people are crazy. Uh, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> no, I mean, it was, I actually well, fell in love with other things going into it. True. And so uh, psychiatry sort of drove me into medical school, but I came out with other thoughts. Okay. So let's go back to living in Brooklyn. What, t what time, what decade is this? Okay. So I, I grew up uh, 50s, 60s, and I left Brooklyn in 1971 to it's go to college. It's a good era. It was great. I mean, it was fantastic. You could, I mean, literally I could go anywhere. There were areas in Brooklyn. Brooklyn you just wouldn't go to because they weren't really safe. But mm -hmm. I knew what they were. You just don't go there. I mean, exactly. it's a, one of the kids in my high school was killed in an area he shouldn't have been in. Yikes. Yeah. So that, uh, I mean, these days people, you know, uh, 
no better than to go to those areas, but mm -hmm. he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm assuming you've been back. Oh, yeah. I, um, I still go back to New York. Uh, both of my parents are no longer uh, with us, but uh, I have a brother that lives on Long Island. I'll be going back to celebrate my 65th birthday. I know you don't think I look that old. I don't. Thank you very 65. much. 65, what? Yeah, thank you. Don't no, believe it. <laughs> so I'm going back to uh, celebrate my 65th birthday in New York with friends in New York, family in New York, and my brothers uh, will be there. So it'll that be a sounds lot of fun. Amazing. Yeah, so I go to New York uh, from time to time. Not as often as when my parents were alive. What have, did your parents live there up until they passed? They, they moved from Brooklyn to uh, Manhattan, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't think my mother could have lived in a city that didn't have a dozen museums open on any given day. Uh, she was big into arts and museums, and they went to uh, the Philharmonic Hall. They had, you know, Met tickets. They had everything, you know. that was They were big arts people. Isn't it interesting, I guess, not funny or interesting really, but what your parents are into when you're that age how that influences what you are into at a later age. Yeah, I mean, I'm still interested in music and mm -hmm. theater. Uh, there was a time in high school that I had seen every play that was in the uh, theater directory in the New York Times. So I'd go, uh, there wasn't a lot going on in mm -hmm. high school. So I was uh, going to concerts and going to the theater and you could get, you know, if nothing else, standing room or student ticket prices that were cheap. and. I saw all these things. Yeah, I think cool. too. Later in life, it's so almost like we're paying a little homage to our folks in a in a way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Hmm. I think so. People so, say you become your parents over time. Oh my gosh, that is so true. I Frightening am. Frightening but true. It, right? Yeah, and I don't. My mom is fantastic, and I am turning into her, yeah. which is a good thing because yeah. she's a she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, so concerts. You went to a lot of concerts. Was there one that really stuck out for you? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was at a uh, summer camp. And we wanted to go to Woodstock. And mm. I was a counselor in training at the summer camp. And so the uh, director, and this was a hippie camp. So this was an artsy camp. It okay. really was. This was cool. They, they, I like they it. had very little sports. It was really artsy. They had um, just a bunch of hippies. That's my kind of camp. It was, it was, it was a wonderful <laughs> camp. There were, no, there were no counselors in camper bunks and no campers in counselor bunks. So you were on your own, which in summer camp in those days was a big thing. Cool. Anyway, so we wanted to go to Woodstock. So we talked to the, as our, our uh, CIT counselor in training trip. And they uh, basically said, no, I don't think you're going to send your kids to Woodstock, not knowing exactly what Woodstock was going to be like. They uh -huh. had the, the sense to say, no, we're just not sending you there. So instead, they said, we can go to Tanglewood. And they had Phil Maurice at Tanglewood. Now, Tanglewood is like our Brit, but a little bit bigger, like Ravinia in Chicago. Okay. Outdoor music festival, mostly classical, but now they have contemporary as all the uh, classical music venues do. And they had the Phil Maurice there. Well, the opening act was B.B. King. Mm. The main act was Jefferson Airplane. Wow. But the middle act was The Who doing Tom, Tommy from start to finish. And they blew. I mean, people were happy to see Jefferson Airplane. But after The Who, that was still one of the greatest concerts. Amazing. So you didn't go to Woodstock, but... I didn't go to Woodstock, unfortunately. Got to, uh, you know, got to go to a great... Con it was a consolation prize, but it was pretty good. Awesome. And I know you and your wife, Robin, are huge... I mean, you go to every Brit show. We go to a lot of Brit shows. Yeah. And still into music, still into theater to, to a mm -hmm. lesser degree because it's just not here as much. Mm -hmm. I went to an amazing show in Chicago. Another great, great show. The opening act of the show, okay, this was a WXRT, I guess it's a radio station that's uh, still there, but they had these budget new uh, emerging artist concerts. And the, uh, the two acts, the opening act was Elvis Costello. And wow. 
Tom Petty was the main act. Now, it was $3 to get in. Shut up. And, and the first 100 people that had red shoes got in for nothing. Red shoes? The, yes, because the, the angel wants to wear my red right, shoes. One right, of the, uh, right, right. Socks. So I didn't have any red shoes. I wasn't going to go out and buy them since it was only a $3 ticket. So uh, it was That's a very, crazy. very cool concert. And believe it or not, Elvis blew away Tom Petty. And, and I hate to say it now that Tom Petty's no longer with us. Yeah. Great show. But Elvis was amazing at that time. Well, and I don't know if you've read, it was just in the news the other day, Tom Petty, a lot of his music that he created before he died is now being released. Right, exactly. So he's living on. <clears throat> and it's just amazing. a one-year anniversary, I think, of exactly. the other day. Yeah, just like maybe last month was yeah. his one-year anniversary of his, yeah. of his passing. So I didn't know that, there, I guess, that he lived somewhat of a troubled life. I mean, everything mm -hmm. seems so glamorous when you're in rock and roll. And, I guess. And, but it's not always as easy. Yeah, they're, I think we look at them as, you know, these amazing stars, and they're on stage, and they're perfect, and they're famous, and they're rich, and... They're just as screwed up as the rest That's of us. Right. Maybe more so. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe more, more so. so. We're still here. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I yeah. like that. So uh, you went to university came first. So I went to Northwestern. That brought me to Chicago. Okay. And I ended up staying there for medical school mm -hmm. and went to the University of Illinois, partly because I had a girlfriend I wanted to stay in Chicago. Mm. That was probably the major, I applied early decision, so I got in October 1st, actually October 2nd was when the letter came, so I had the rest of the year off to play, nice. that was good. Travel. Who was this girlfriend? Oh, it's, it didn't last, I mean, uh, it was uh, hmm. a girlfriend, Judy, that ended shortly after uh, going to medical school, for, partly because when you're in medical school, you do not have time for a relationship. Right. First year of medical school, you're in a relationship with books. When did you? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's it. True, I mean, yeah. You know, you want to go out? No, I want to go read this biology book. Not really, but you have to. But you have to you have if to. you want to succeed. Uh, when did you meet Robin? So Robin and I met in medical school. Because she, uh, she went to University of she, Illinois, too. Yes, she did. So I stayed in Illinois, and we went there. And her, one of her, her roommate and one of her best friends was my cadaver partner. And I okay. had, and my cadaver had a great body. I mean, you never think about dead people having a great body, but no, no, it's not something you think about. But when you're trying to dissect out muscles, you don't want somebody who dies in, with you know cancer and cachexia and doesn't have any muscles to dissect. My guy was like Atlas, and you okay. know everybody wanted to be around our body. Okay, so when you say okay, so your cadaver was a male. Our cadaver was a male and and well preserved. So he, I, I so my brain first went to oh, you had this like hot female well, dead person. No, no, it was that's a male. where I was no, thinking. No, 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 no. You were saying no, great no. body as great in body to like dissect. Well to dissect, yes, okay. not a great. No, he he died in the sixties, and uh, no, it's not. You know, there was. Nothing more I hear than, you now. than muscle dissection. I hear you. So yeah. maybe you can answer this. You donate your body to science? Yes. Okay. And so for this particular guy to be a cadaver, he died in the 60s. Do they do some special preservation? We died probably in the 70s, shortly before we used him, because I was in medical okay. school in the 70s. And, um, and I don't know how the selection process, but it turned out that one of the cadavers in our group, because we had a very large class, um, was a known entity to some of the people there. And so that was kind of a, a medical oh. faux pas. That was not good. Yeah. Yeah, so someone knew hard. one of the cadavers there. Usually they're not for local people. They're not people that you're going to know. For sure. And you don't get their names. You don't lead, read about, you know, what did they die of? What did, they're mm -hmm. just the body to dissect. It's just for science. And I don't know exactly whether they still do that in medical school. I, You know, I'm so far removed. But right. It was a great experience, anatomy lab. Do you know what they preserve the bodies in? 
Like a formalin type thing. Okay. That, yeah. Because you want to sure. make sure. So when you cut, I'm fascinated. When you cut into this, they don't bleed. No, no, no. There's no, there's blood. no blood. No blood. You're really just going in there to see yeah. where everything is. Yeah, exactly. There's no blood. And, and uh, I'm, you know, you're just learning about, you, know, you have a full year of anatomy and you just go mm -hmm. through, you know, section by section, uh, what organs and what okay. muscles and. Did, was there anything in this class that surprised you when you when you went started cutting into this human? No, not really. I mean, it was uh, it, it was kind of a fun class, and as I said, we were we had one of the best cadavers. So for us, it was really good. It was really hard for people that have start try, trying to dissect out muscles when they're just cachectic and there there's nothing left. Okay, of them. so, so well, I guess what experience. makes a good cadaver 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 body? Yeah, just well preserved. That is, okay. they didn't die cachectic. You know, uh, ninety nine pounds and six uh, two. Uh, so that there's no muscle you. mass, no anything to dissect out. Okay. That's uh, always a problem. Are you removing organs from the body or? No, we were not removing them from the body, but just, you know, opening up the body and seeing and taking wedges and, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. No. The, the brain too? Um, the brain, you know, that's a good question. I don't remember what we did about the brain. I'm not sure we did the brain. I don't think so. I don't think so. I have to ask Robin. Maybe okay. she remembers that. We'll have to ask Dr. Robin. Dr. Miller. Robin, yes. Because did she take a class? Yeah, we were in the same class. We oh. were a very large class. We so I'll tell you something. I know you don't we got know. stuck on dead bodies. Okay, so I'll tell you something I don't know. Okay. Before I went out with Robin, mm -hmm. I went out with Robin's sister. <laughs> okay, and before Juicy. wait, 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 it gets even better. Okay. Before we went out, Robin went out with my roommate Bob. Oh man. And she set me up with her sister. Robin set you set up with her. Yeah. So okay. we were friends. Nice. And that's, it, it sort of developed into something else on a ski trip. It's a good thing that it didn't work out with Judy or Robin's sister. That's right. It wasn't going to work out with Robin's sister. I hope she's not listening to the show. It's fine. Probably not going to happen. She's probably, I'm sure, happy that it's that's, worked out that, for you and Robin. Out, yeah. So you guys are in the same anatomy class. S the same class all the way through. Okay. After. And <clears throat> your cadaver partner. Um, well, it's her, her roommate. Yeah. Was Robin's? It was very. It was alphabetical. So I had Altai, Albin. I mean, all the A's were on this this body. Addisman. <laughs> uh, so okay. Yeah, it was all. And so she was actually in another room. Okay. Being an M, she was you know, one room over. Okay. So you guys are at the same university, the yeah. same time. You're even in the same classes. Same classes. Okay. So and she used to come to our parties, but she didn't always appreciate our parties. Why? Um, they could were they get too out of, wild? They get out of hand. Right. I mean, usually. Uh, fortunately, police never came. Plus, we had a gang in the neighborhood, and she didn't like the gang presence. <laughs> no. They were the, it was the brothers of Newport. It was a wonderful street. It's it's mm -hmm. actually in Wrigleyville, so it's right a block and a half from Wrigley Stadium. Awesome. It was really cool, but it, it's, it was a bit sketchy. Well, Robin strikes me as the kind of woman and maybe girl at that time that just very nice. Very yeah, nice. She was and very nice. She sweet was, and. Sometimes and, when it got a little crazy, she was like, I'm out. I'm out of here. Right. And, and much more studious than me. <laughs> than you. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest. I, no, uh, I love I, honesty. You know, she was definitely more studious. Okay. So you guys go on a ski trip yes, together. Yes, we did. Sparks fly. Yes. And that was That, that was the was end. It. That was, yeah. Do you remember the year? Yeah, sure. I, I, I ended up applying for a residency in Denver at the University of Colorado. Now, um, I... We didn't do well at University of Colorado. For whatever reason, they didn't accept a lot of people from Illinois. So I thought, I don't want to go all the way out to Colorado from Chicago. We had to drive out. We didn't have any money in those mm -hmm. days to fly. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to go and ski if I'm going to go out there. At least if I'm not going to get accepted, I'm going to go ski. Going to go ski. So I asked a couple of my roommates, and they said, no, nah, we're not going. And then I 
Robin said, I'll go. Yeah, I said Aww. to Robin. So we ended up going, and uh, that was the beginning of the romance. So. And when did you pop the question? Uh, many years later. That was six years later. On and off again. We were in different cities for a while. We gotcha. Did, we didn't match together. So there's a match, which means after you get out of medical school and you're going into your internship residency, you apply for you know, what mm -hmm. your choices are in her first. And our relationship just started over the Christmas break. Okay. And, July, and January 1st was the match date. So we weren't committed to the relationship like, for sure. you know, it was very young. You just knew you liked each yeah, other. Yeah, it was good. It was great. We had a wonderful trip. Not ready to commit to being in the same, necessarily being in the same place. So I got my first choice, which was Portland University of Oregon. Wow. And she got her first choice, which is George Washington mm -hmm. University. So we were 3,000 miles apart. And then we said, all right, we're going to get together. So Robin had an interview with the chief of medicine at a bar in, in uh, Washington. Mm -hmm. That went well. And she didn't have to pay for the drinks. And, <laughs> of course not. And I went to uh, I went to uh, Washington D.C. and I interviewed with a guy. He goes, "You could have come here last year. How come you?" I said, well, "I wanted to go to Portland, and now we're separated, so we're trying to figure out. Well, you could have gone last year. You can come back this year if you want." But Robin came to Portland, and okay. that was it. And we were in Portland. Together. And that's when did is that when you guys were in Oregon and you stayed in Oregon for a while, and then Robin went to uh, George. Uh, she ended going to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. That's right. And so she was in Baltimore for a couple of years, and we separated there, and then finally we got back together. But it was. It was a process. Yeah. Well, every I think every great relationship is a process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, we were pretty mature at that time, mm -hmm. and we felt good about it, and obviously it's lasted. Well, what do you think about Portland? I love Portland. Mm -hmm. I love Portland. We have differences as to whether or not we're going to end up in Portland down the road. Next. I mean, now, yeah. I mean, I, I love being here. I love, you know, doing what I'm doing. I like being part of the wine industry, which I'm in now. Um, but at some point in my life, I'll probably want an easier life than uh, hmm. lugging cases around and uh, selling bottles of wine. Okay. So, so you got into your field of medicine, which is? Gastroenterology. Okay. So guts and butts. Guts and butts. Why yeah. did you want to get into guts and butts? Well, you know, you, when I went into internal medicine, at first I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And I right. said, no, that's out. Then I wanted to be a hematologist, oncologist, because there was really okay. a lot of good stuff going on. They were starting to cure cancer, which mm. had never been done before. You had Hodgkin's disease and other things. But the most fun people were the GI people. They the guts like, and butts guts people. And, guts and butts people. And even though it deals with liver disease, they like to go out and eat and drink. So I thought, I can do that. I am qualified to be a gastroenterologist. I mean, they like to go out and have a good time, and it's a fun department. And it's really who you meet more mm -hmm. than anything. I mean, if, you, if I had a, I had a terrible surgical rotation in medical school. And it was abusive, and I said, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't want yeah. to do that. If I had a great rotation, maybe I'd be a surgeon now. Who well, knows? we were talking before the podcast, probably two things that very few people know about me. I've had two major surgeries in my life. One when I was eight that had to do with my appendix. Right. My appendix burst, and I was just hanging out for like two months with this burst appendix. And then when I was 14, my sigmoid colon twisted. Oh, so you had, okay, sigmoid volvulus. So, yeah, so they think from that first surgery, the sigmoid colon had like stretched out and it was wrapped around all, right. it was like two feet long when it's normally supposed to be what, 10 inches, eight to 10 well, inches? Well, it could be about a foot or so. Okay. Yeah. Mine was huge. Right. And it wrapped around all these, uh, all my internal organs and it finally just had twisted. Twist, it yep. would twist over the years yep. and then finally it just twisted and they had to go in and take the whole thing right. out. Yeah, it's called a, a volvulus. And, and sigmoid volvulus is not uncommon. And 
if it happens rec repeatedly, then mm -hmm. you need to get it out. If it happens once, then what we do as gastroenterologists is we'll go in there and put a scope up there and take the twist out. But a lot of times after we do that, you know, a week later, it goes right back to a twisted right. state. And then you just have to get it out. And I was 14 years old, and my doctor, my guts and butts doctor, mm -hmm. loved me because I was the only, I was his only patient under, you know, yeah, usually, 70. Yeah, usually sigmoid volvulus occurs in older people. You have yeah. two types of volvulus, and that occurs, it's not uncommon, but we probably straighten one out every year or so uh, yeah. uh, individually, so maybe five or six times a year for the group. So that's something that no one really knows about me, and well, I'm, I'm sharing it with you. Thank you, thank you. With you on this I silly I, podcast. I can put in a medical bill now? I've taken, <laughs> I've yeah. taken a history. All I need to do is a brief physical exam, yeah. and I, we're there. We've got a, you know. I'll have my people contact your people <laughs> for that bill. Yeah. Um, so you, so you're you're working. Robin's working. You guys get together. Um, when did you finally get married? We got married in 1985 okay. in Chicago. In Chicago, at the Drake Hotel, which is Ooh. right. At, have you been to Chicago? It's no. Right on. <laughs> but it's right on. It's the first building on Michigan Avenue. So when you go Lakeshore Drive, it's the first building. It's, it's the, a fancy it's, hotel. It's the Plaza Hotel of. Uh, Chicago. Of Chicago. It's the Old World Hotel. It was okay. really cool. Awesome. And then from there? So from there, that was in 1985, I went in to practice on Long Island. So I was okay. in Long Island for six years. Robin uh, went into, came to Long Island as well, and she was at Stony Brook. So she was an mm -hmm. academic physician at the University of uh, Stony Brook. Okay. And then at some point, you guys both just say, we need something different. Kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had kids, and we said, you know, if you have kids, it's... You can't just go into the city all the time. I mean, in the first couple of years before we had kids, because we didn't have kids till 87, we had two years of just playing in the city. And so mm -hmm. we had enough money to go in there and play and go to shows and do whatever. But after you have kids, you say, I'm not going into the city that often, so do right. I really need to live in the, or outside in that area? Robin was less thrilled with Long Island. Her family wasn't there, mine was. Mm -hmm. And so we basically decided to come back to Oregon. We tried to figure out where would we like to go, and we really loved Oregon, so. Uh, and Southern Oregon. And so Robin actually did a rotation here yeah. in 1980. I remember that in story. In 1980. So, and uh, at that time, she wasn't ready to sign up as you know one of the few female physicians here in that time frame, mm -hmm. but she loved being here, and uh, they offered her a job right then and there. Said, when you're finished, Come down here. Of course they and did. Years later, yeah, and everybody loved her. And years later, we did come. We ended up working at the Medford Clinic because we knew people there. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, the clinic fell apart, and every everybody landed well, and things are good. So, getting to the wine part of your life, have you always been sort of a, I don't want to say a drinker because that has like a negative connotation, but have you always been a guy I've, who's loved wine and? beverages and good food and well I have to say that if you go back to college I was drinking Yago Sangria <laughs> that's a, something very few people yummy know. yeah <laughs> well you know it was sweet and it was cheap and I didn't it was it was a step above ripple and all the rest of the you know crummy wines that college kids drink Annie sure. Greensprings so Yago you put some fruit in it it was it was the thing at the time so uh, it was actually what my parents drank wine but and if you go back to the 60s and early 70s, mm -hmm. but most Americans were not drinking wine. Mm -mm. 60s were the age of cocktails, and rarely did people have wine with dinner. My parents did. And part of it is because they traveled a lot, they've been to Europe many times, and that's a very European thing. Absolutely. So they basically were wine people uh, And uh, in, in terms of drinking wine. They never bought expensive wine. My mm -hmm. father always found bargains, 
but my some of them not so good bargains, right. but at least they never spent a lot of money. But my uncle did, and we went to Thanksgiving dinner there, probably in the early 70s, somewhere about 73, 74, and he opened up two Bordeaux's that were just unbelievable. And I thought, oh, I didn't know wine can taste like this. This oh. is like amazing stuff. This Isn't is that incredible. crazy when you're, you're just, your brain clicks on it like, oh, I, I like wine. Yeah, I mean, it was more than just a beverage. I mean, then it becomes an experience. And, Absolutely. You know, when you've tasted, and then from there, I started buying wines uh, a little bit in Chicago. Uh, they would have uh, wine sales. And I didn't have a lot of money in medical school, but I was able to find some mm -hmm. deals that were pretty good and start buying some Rieslings and white burgundies and different things. Uh, but uh, then after moving to Portland in 79, Portland had the wine industry. For sure. And I went down to Napa and Sonoma a couple of times, especially Napa. In those days, mm -hmm. Napa was not like Napa today. It was just farm people rather than celebrity farming. A little bit of saturation yeah, too. It's, uh, it was uh, it was really nice and so I got into wine and uh, it's just become somewhere between a passion and obsession. Yeah well in Southern Oregon a great place for that obsession. It, you know it's remarkable I did not think that we'd be able to make the wines that we're making. I, I will be honest and say if you had asked me 20 years ago that we'd be where we are today I'd say I don't think so. We, and you, or we, the region? We, the region. Mm -hmm. We, the region. Um, I, they're, they're exceeding my expectations. They're really, really, really good. Hmm. Um, now, the thing that, that's always true in any wine region, um, there's better and lesser wines. But the really good wines are amazing. And I'm very proud of the, uh, the job that people are doing here. Um, and especially... And very supportive, by the way. Oh my gosh! Amazing how how everybody really does support each other in this in this industry. I mean, I just brought my wines that uh, that were made at another winery. Uh, it, in fact, they're made, they, these wines were made by Eric Weisinger over mm -hmm. at the Barrel Forty Two and uh, Herb Quaddy and Brian Gruber and Nicole and and they tasted and they said, "Wow, they're really wonderful." That's being very nice and kind to mm -hmm. Eric that made the wine. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think everybody supports everybody. And that's exactly the way it was in the Willamette Valley. If you look at some of the historical accounts, uh, there have been uh, some wonderful TV uh, episodes on uh, uh, public uh, broadcasting about the pioneers in the Willamette Valley, uh, Dick Ponzi um, hmm. and uh, uh, Dick Erath and uh, Fuller and um, I'm just trying to remember all the, the original people. They all got together to support and, and um, Irie, um, forgetting his first name now, he just died a few years ago. Everybody got together to support each other. Everybody wanted everybody else to succeed because yeah. if everybody does better, every, you know, mm -hmm. it's good for the industry. What's that? It's um, water. Yeah, they were the rising tide. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so, and I think people are like that now here. I think it's uh, been an incredibly supportive industry. Okay, so did you know um, at the time when you moved here, obviously there was a wine scene at that time not what it is now, did you go, I, I want to grow grapes, I want to make wine? When did that happen okay. for you? So when I moved here, there weren't even good wine glasses in restaurants. Well, so, there's, there, in some restaurants, there's still not good right. wine glasses. And so one of the things I got from friends, like my first or second year here, was a Riedel wine glass carrier, because I was bringing wine glasses to restaurants. And to this day, I still beat up restaurants that have really crummy wine glasses. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, do you care about food? And they say, yeah. I say, well, do you care about wine? Yeah. Then why would you serve your wine in these glasses? 
And so I still bring wine glasses to a few places, but most have actually pretty decent stemware Mm -hmm. these days. It's better than it was. And stemware has come down in price, so it's not that you have to buy $10 a stem. Restaurants can buy these for $4 or $5. Did you ever get the eye roll like, oh, it's this guy again, bringing in his own wine glasses? Uh, Well, and his own wine. And his own own, wine. At least I didn't bring in my own food. (laughs) I mean, you know, I didn't carry out from another restaurant or whatever. So a little bit of that. But... I think that whole, that, that just moved everybody into a better place. Yeah. I mean, b- kind of beating people up and saying, you just need to improve your glassware. Mm-hmm. You need to step it up. And You're up. not afraid to do that. No, no. I, you know, I'm fairly vocal and opinionated. I think most people know that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's, you, you, you don't have to like me. It's okay. But I'm here to make, I, I can tell you that there was a restaurant, and I won't name it, but it opened up, and I knew one of the guys that was working there is a, a, in the wine area, and I said, you know, that restaurant needs help. I said, here are four or five things you can do to make it better. And he came back to me, and, he, and his boss said, well, tell him to open his own restaurant. Now, that restaurant closed in three months. Yikes. And it deserved to. It had issues. Mm-hmm. It had, and I, and I, when I do that, that's, you know, a lot of times you shoot the messenger. That's not uncommon. Yeah. But these were all things that could have helped. I, that restaurant was probably doomed anyway. Well, I feel like you and I are on the same school of thought here because I I love going out and having, having a great experience at a restaurant. Yeah. And good food and good wine and all of that. And so I, I would agree with you. Why wouldn't you say something? I want them to stick around. Right, exactly. That's it's exactly right. And I do that hoping that they'll improve their game and stick around. I mean, yeah. we were at dinner at different tables last week, wonderful restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, their glasses have improved. I, uh, actually, they bought really good glasses. Unfortunately, they broke in the dishwasher. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at least yes. they're working on it. I was going to bring that up, actually. I saw you at a restaurant. We won't name it. Because right. for the most part, I want to be super positive about the right. places here in where I live. And the food at I that live. restaurant was really good, The too. food at that restaurant is amazing. Wonderful. But the wine glasses, I'm sorry, suck. Well, they did buy good glasses. In fact, um, if they're listening to this, they'll know exactly who they are. I said, Costco has these amazing Riedel glasses mm-hmm. for under $3 a stem. Just go out and buy them. So they did. They actually bought four dozen. Fantastic. And, uh, but they broke I didn't the, get they, those. <laughs> no, they didn't because they broke in the dishwasher. They oh. didn't have cages. You can't wash oh. delicate glasses and just stick them in a dishwasher. Yeah. Because commercial dishwashers shoot out really high. Right. You have to have a cage. Right. And they didn't have cages and they broke. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah. It was unfortunate. Those but, glasses, you actually turned me onto those glasses at Costco. Yeah. They're like the Kirkland brand, but they're made by the Riedel Company. Real. Exactly. And we bought like two or three cases of them because yeah. they're fabulous. Yeah. They're almost disposable at that price. Exactly. Yeah. They're a beautiful Bordeaux glass. Uh, there's a plug for Costco. <laughs> we are not advocate. This is not a commercial for this Costco. This is not a commercial for Costco. But, you know, I, that, I, I took advantage of it as well, you know, thinking that someday, I mean, Robin gets upset when I buy glasses. I probably have about 200 plus wine glasses. My husband gets upset when I buy glasses. And he's like, really? We needed those? That's, yes. Yeah. We, absol- do, uh, we uh, absolutely you, you need, need these. You need Bordeaux glasses, burgundy glasses. Mm-hmm. You know, you have... Pinot glasses mm-hmm. that are different than the burgundy glasses. Bubbly yeah. glasses. Oh, yeah. I've got them all. And yeah. bubbly, I'm especially addicted. I like the long flute ones, and then I like the old, the, like, bucket. Yeah. You know what I'm talking I, about? Yeah, the... right. 
the two, they're, they're kind of a tulip. Or yes. A bit, yeah. But I like the long flutes. You see those bubbles go up. Me too. Yeah, that's Me too. Great. See, we could have a whole extra podcast well, just on and glasses. we're supposed to do dinner. We are uh, supposed to do dinner. That's right. Because see, you. I now have it on a podcast. This is like <laughs> going out to the public. It's it's done because I already know what I'm going to make you guys, and you're going to bring over some great Champagne. wine. Yes, we're going to have bubbly, bubbly, and I'm going to do a little like chipino. Yes, that's perfect. And okay. I've got I've got the wines for that. I know you Guaranteed. do. You have the wines for a lot of things. Yes. So when did you decide to? I'm going to grow some grapes and I'm going to make my own wine. So I guess it was about you know five six. Seven years ago, we decided that, oh, I should say even before that, we had a small uh, vineyard at our old house. We had mm -hmm. 0.7 acres, and we put in maybe a quarter of an acre of vineyard of 140 vines. And I thought, well, that was cool. And I probably should have stopped at that. But then we bought 10 acres, 14 acres, actually, then expanded to 17 acres. And we have 10 acres of vineyard, 18,500 plants. Wow. A lot of plants. Very dense planting. It looks really cool. And, um, and I just, you know, I love the whole idea of being mm -hmm. in the industry and creating wine, which is just bringing joy to people. Well, you're so good at it. You really are good. You're a good wine drinker because you can break down what's good and what's not and what you should be tasting. And although, and I, that, and that's true because I've been doing this for so many years, mm -hmm. but the truth is you just drink what you like. I mean, it's, it's always amazing when we do the Oregon wine experience and we have multiple wines, um, the, the, the voting that we say, which is your favorite, it frequently comes down to a 50-50 vote where mm -hmm. they're both really good wines. Right. And so, you know, I always say if, if everybody liked the same thing, Baskin Robbins would sell one flavor exactly. instead of 31 flavors. Right. So there's always something different. So true. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, in one of the judges forums, you were there, maybe not this past year, but the year before, Tim Hanai, yeah. Master of Wine, said something so beautiful. He's like, don't knock people for wanting a dessert wine or something sweet or because people drink what they like and that's yeah. just what they're going to drink. <laughs> and so why would we knock you for certain wines that you like? Well, you know, people always ask, you prefer red wine or white wine? I said, I don't discriminate based on color. Exactly. Why should you discriminate based on color? I don't good either. Good wine is good wine. It's irrelevant whether it's red, white, or pink. Yeah. Wine is wine. It doesn't matter whether it's dry or sweet. I drink dry wine. I drink sweet wine. I if love them great, all. If it's great wine, mm -hmm. it's great wine. I mean, I... You know, I, I don't actually grow what some of the things that I like to drink because it wouldn't grow well. For example, I like Pinot, but we have a south-facing vineyard that's very hot. Mm -hmm. You know, it bakes in the sun. And so Pinot wouldn't be good there. Riesling, which I love as a grape, wouldn't whether it's dry or sweet, wouldn't grow there. Okay. It just wouldn't work well. What are you growing? We have... Um, we, our largest uh, part of the vineyard is Syrah, and it's doing really well. I put in a little plug for Peter Williams. Syrah is now out there. Just delivered some to the first couple of shops today. And we grow Tempranillo, Malbec, and Grenache. Okay. And the Grenache is there mostly to blend with Syrah to create like a GSM, which is Grenache Syrah mm -hmm. Mavedra. Uh, Peter Williams, what is that Peter from? William Vineyard, my middle name, Peter William. So oh, Peter, it was all about be, Peter. Well, it was going to be William Hardy. Okay. which is Robin's middle name, Hardy. Aww. And then I started Googling that, and then I went, oh, Hardy's in Australia, which is a huge winery. It could be a million-case winery, huge. Is William Hardy. I just knew it as Hardy. And so Can't once I it. saw it, I said, there's going to be a cease and desist. Yeah, there would be so a big old fat lawsuit and I, There was headache. an attorney up in Portland. They said, don't bother. <laughs> don't just bother. Go. And then I thought, well, Peter Sellers. I like that. That would be great for yeah. those that remember Pink Panther and Peter Sellers. <laughs> yeah. There already is a winery, so I'm putting in a plug for somebody else's winery. 
so so much for Peter Sellers. So Peter William it Peter is. Peter William McBecan. And I and I didn't need my last name associated with it or anything else. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, that was what we chose. But I mean about. it should be it should sort of be all about you because this is sort of your vision. It is well it's my passion obsession. Your passion obsession. Not, yeah, and not Robin's per se. Although she enjoys drinking wine. Mm-hmm. She won't go on wine trips. I do that with the boys because uh, <laughs> we went on one and we went into too many places and Did it uh, remind her of those college parties? Oh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it just she just was dragged into too many wine shops, too many tastings. She goes, "I don't need to hear about fermentation one more time and I don't care what kind of barrel they use you know that doesn't matter it can be french oak spanish oak american oak i don't care what it is that's not not for me that's funny well at the last judges forum you are a professional wine taster meaning i do a lot of it you do (laughs) but you had your own cup spit cup spit cup yes always because if you're drinking consuming all this wine you're at the end of the day whenever i go to wine tasting like that you know where there's going to be 30 40 50 60 wines oregon wine experience actually i tasted at least 50 or 60 wines at the oregon at the big grand tasting Mm -hmm. and i spit everything yeah so where people were walking around a little bit sloshed i was in perfect shape. Yeah. yeah. Some some more so than now. others. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I was, uh, uh, you can't taste it. You know, you get palate fatigue no matter what happens. Right. But when you're drinking it, that fatigue comes a lot earlier. Okay. And just quickly speaking of Oregon wine experience, uh, you actually teach a class within the Oregon Wine University. I do. I do the uh, Oregon versus the old world. We've done it every year, even when it was up at Del Rio. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess after it left Del, Del Rio. Um, and it's really good. It shows how far we've come as a wine industry. I make it so it's a fair fight. I try to get uh, typical wines. For example, we grow Tempranillo, so I get a Spanish Tempranillo. And i be honest that I had uh, the uh, sommelier or the uh, wine steward from Market of Choice with us, hmm. and he and I both thought the American, the one that was grown that included my fruit, was the Spanish wine, and the Spanish wine was the American. So we got it wrong, nice. but that's how good, that's how well we're doing. I like that's it. It's really cool. Okay, um, we're gonna wrap up a little bit, but uh, where can people find your wine right now? I'm, I am hoping everywhere, but right now, uh, going out today, because it's there at Harry and David and Jacksonville Inn, and it'll be at Market of Choice. I have a, it'll be a slight delay, uh, but it will be there. It will be in restaurants. In fact, right after this, I go to one of my favorite restaurants to taste them on it. But since they Mm -hmm. haven't committed, I won't mention it yet. Okay. Um, But it will be in many, many restaurants that we have commitments. It's also going to be the Ashland Wine Cellar. They made a commitment to it, too. And what are you drinking right now of yours that you're really liking? I think that, you know, it's interesting. I I brought the uh, wines to a restaurant the other night when we had a, a, a journal club for my group. And everybody preferred different things, which is typical. Right. Um, I just brought it to Jacksonville Inn, and um, I think Platon there, like the Tempranillo, I think that right now is a little bit firmer, but it's bigger and richer, and it's got more layers. What's drinking incredibly well now is the Syrah. Um, I think Brian Gruber at Barrel 42 really loved the uh, Malbec and thought that was drinking well right now. So everybody's going to get something different. Uh, you know, everybody's Perfect. sensitivity is to tannins, mm-hmm. to acid, to... To different things are, are different, so. 
That's probably Come good. Taste them all. Yes. In fact, I recommend buying them all. Buying them all. Buying them all. Buy Tasting. three bottles. One now. Put, yes. wet, put them away for three years and then five years down the road. Oh, magical. I love it. I love that. Um, and then my one last <clears throat> question before we get to my final three questions, which yes. I apologize, I did not prep you on, I don't think, but That's you'll okay. get through it. You're smart. Um, how long are you going to be doing guts and butts? Uh, another four years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I still have the, the vineyard is anywhere but neutral. Actually, I was talking to one of the vineyard owners of one of our wonderful great vineyards and for the first year they're in the black and they've been going at it for about seven or eight years so it wow. takes that long to get into the black well i'm excited for you thanks so that's definitely going to be four years i mean plus. i'm excited about the guts and butts things but <clears throat> the wine i'm really excited right. about well, <laughs> all yeah. right final three best advice you've ever been given don't plant a vineyard <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, there's, there, there, you know, the axiom in the wine industry is yeah. the way to end up with a small fortune in the wine industry is start with a large one. Mm -hmm. But of course, I didn't follow that advice. No. And then to make it worse, there's a joke in the industry. What's the difference between a case of Saran and a case of gonorrhea? <laughs> what? You can get rid of the case of gonorrhea. Oh, man. Okay. That's bad. So I, I really blew it on that. So uh, the best advice I didn't take. Okay. Either. Did you have any really good advice in medical school? Was there ever uh, someone that <clears throat> gave you something, words to live by? Uh, I can't say there was one individual. There are people that stand out. I had an anatomy mm -hmm. professor, Mr. Munson, Dr. Munson, I should say. There was a, a virology professor, Dr. Plummer. There's a few people that stood out, not with advice, but just inspirational people. I like that. That were inspirational. Okay. Um, if you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, what would you miss the most? What would bring you back here? Um, boy, what would I miss the most? My friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friends here. I'd have to move them all up to Portland. You would. You have. You guys. You guys. We're all going to mass move. No, that's not going to happen. You have a good crew here. You yeah, have a good we do. support group. Really, we have a wonderful life here. Life is fantastic here. It's a good place to be, isn't it? And you know, we were dreading the smoke. We had a terrible summer. Mm -hmm. We we really had a terrible summer. Mm -hmm. And despite that, you hear about all the other uh, environmental disasters that have occurred, all the oh, hurricanes and the tropical storms and the flooding, and everything that's gone on elsewhere in the country. I think we did okay. I know. Uh, I'll take the fire over what's happened in. Same here. You know, and you know the drive-in to work where it just the colors are so beautiful <laughs> right now and. It's magnificent. I know. Yeah, we did lose a lot of summer. We did. But if that's that's the worst, that's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, for sure, I agree. And maybe a tough question for you, but if you were given a final meal and a final drink. Some of my other guests have done courses and multiple drinks, but hey, it's your final meal. What would it look like? Well, you know, uh, my final meal, you know, I, 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 boy, that's a tough, that is a really tough question. I would, I love fish. I love fresh ahi. That's mm. fantastic. You know, we don't, it's hard to get it local. You know, it's not a local fish. So, right. Uh, but when you're in Hawaii and you're in other tropical uh, places, mm -hmm. boy, oh boy, I just could eat ahi. And probably have mercury poisoning, but I could eat it every day three times a day. <laughs> hey, it's your final meal, so yeah. Yeah, that's true. poison you know, it It doesn't up. matter. Just you know, bring it on. <laughs> and um, I would have it with a bottle of, uh, of uh, Romani Conti uh, Burgundy. Uh, unfortunately, they're about 5000 a bottle for contemporary vintages, and then older ones would be more. But if it's mm. my final it's meal, your final. why not? Just do that's it. That's it. Pocket change on yeah, this final day. I've only day. had that once, and it was an old dead bottle, so... I'm still waiting to experience that. And it was amazing? No, it was old and dead. Oh, we, old and dead, old I and see. Dead. Okay. Yeah, we bought it beyond its peak. It already had turned and 
It was we didn't pay much money for it because everybody else knew it was old and that dead. still hurts though yeah but we did taste other wines by the that winery romani conti domain de la romani conti but not that vineyard romani conti so okay i like it if you're listening to this podcast on itunes and you like it please subscribe rate and review it helps other people find us we are also on google play and please check out the video portion of this podcast it's on ktvl.com just click on features and then off script once again dr peter addisman look for peter william wine thank you yes in, in a store near you hopefully soon. this has been fun thank you i've been it's been fun thank getting you. to know you thanks peter thank you